Good morning and welcome again. We're so glad that you're here today. It's a beautiful day. It's a cold day, but it is a beautiful day. We're so thankful that you've chosen to be here today. If you're visiting, we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity you have. We're so glad to have a number of visitors with us this morning, and we want you to know that we'd love to have you come back. It might be the case that you're in the process of looking for a church home. And over the course of this past year, we have had a number of folks that have identified with us, and we would love to have you as a part of the church here. I know our elders would be more than happy to sit down, answer any questions that you might have. Matter of fact, we are having uh, pictures taken today for the directory, and so I would think that if you wanted to place membership, they could squeeze you in. I would hope so anyway. So we'd love to have you as a part of that. I'm going to call attention to you. Revelation chapter 20 this morning, Revelation chapter 20, the passage that Jordan read just a moment ago, we're going to be looking at verses 11 down through chapter 21 in just a moment or two. A little over a year ago, Jared and I had the opportunity to visit a brother in Christ who was up in years, and he made a statement in our presence that to me... It got my attention. He said, I am getting myself ready for the judgment. That's quite a statement. And today we think about the theme, prepare to meet your God. You see, there's coming a day when all of us will have a face-to-face -face meeting with the Lord. And so it would behoove us to make adequate preparation to stand before him. There are a lot of things in life that are uncertain. Matter of fact, there are so many things in life that are uncertain. But there are some certainties. Death, of course, would be one. A second that would follow on its heels, the judgment. So I ask you today, are you prepared to meet your God? Let me just call attention to our lesson text. I want to begin by first asking you to think with me for a moment or two about the Savior who is on the throne. John said, I saw a great white throne, verse 11, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. John here begins by describing the setting. The setting, of course, is that of the Lord on his throne. A couple of things that relate to this great setting. First, I think about the purity of the one who is on this throne. He said, I saw a great white throne. When we talk about deity, whether it be God or Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God is a God of holiness and purity. John said in 1 John chapter 3 that everyone who has his hope set on him purifies himself even as he is pure. God and the Son are filled with purity and holiness. Matter of fact, I think it's interesting that Jesus would say, 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So we have the purity of the Savior and also the power of the Savior. He said, I saw a great white throne. Throne, of course, depicting his authority, his power. The greatness of his power. And you remember when Jesus was upon this earth. He declared, all power, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So Jesus is vested with all authority. And by the way, Jesus would say in John chapter 5, that the Father has given the Son authority to execute judgment. So the purity of the Savior the power of the Savior, and the presence of the Savior. Again, John said, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Peter, in in the long ago, depicts the second coming of Jesus. He said, Jesus will come as a thief in the night, The heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. The earth and the works therein shall be burned up. Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 talks about how he will come with all his holy angels and be seated upon the throne of his glory. And you think about the world as we know it, disintegrating, and all the things that visibly we see, gone. And I might ask the question, would you be able to hide from the presence of the Lord? No, not at all. So first, the setting described, and then think if you would also about the standard that is disclosed. In verse 12, John said, I saw the dead, small and great, Standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The books that will be opened are Scripture. Sixty-six books in the Old Testament and New Testament. Of course, as we think about being judged... By those things that are written in the books, those who lived under the period of the patriarchs will be judged accordingly. Those who lived under the Mosaic dispensation, they will be judged by that law. And all of us who are alive today, we will be judged by the law of Christ. Do you remember Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word has one who judges him. He said, the word which I spoke the same shall judge him in the last day. In John 12, verse 48. Paul said in Romans chapter 2, verse 2, that the judgment of God is according to truth. Somebody might ask the question, what is truth? Pilate asked that question. And Jesus said, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. In Romans chapter 2, verse 16, Paul said, 
There's coming a day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. So we'll be judged by the word of God, the gospel of Christ, the truth of Almighty God. We will be judged by, as Paul would say, the law of Christ in Galatians 6.2, identified by James as the perfect law of liberty. And James would say in James chapter 2 and about verse 12, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. So all of us are going to one day stand before God. And John said, in this great setting, we'll stand before the Savior, who is the judge of all the earth. We will give an account. And the basis by which we will be judged is God's holy word. So what does that say about the importance of knowing the Bible? Knowing what God has said, what God has revealed in His Holy Word. So first, the Savior who is on the throne. Secondly, there is a summons to the throne. Did you know that one day we're all going to be summoned before the throne of God? When that will be, I can't say. So I think about first and foremost as we talk about this point, I want you to consider with me for a moment or two about the expectation of the judgment. The judgment should not be a surprise to anyone. Many, many people in our world today have little or no, or no knowledge of Scripture, but they have heard about the judgment, haven't they? And over and over again, there are numerous statements that vouch for the judgment to come. The Hebrew writer said, It is appointed unto man once to die, and he said, After that cometh the judgment. So think about that death and then the judgment. Back in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, Solomon, as you well know, talks about the human body. And how the human body begins to age and deteriorate and ultimately yields to death. He said at death, the body returns to dust, the spirit to God who gave it. And then he said that we are to fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. He said for God will bring every work, listen to him, into judgment. One day we're going to be at the throne of Almighty God. We're going to stand before Him. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 that when He comes, all nations will be gathered before Him. He will separate them as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. You will be there. I will be there. We will all be there. Paul, in Romans chapter 14, said in the long ago that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us must give an account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul said, we must all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ 
that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what we've done, whether good or bad. It's in light of that that Paul would say, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That is, in light of the judgment to come, we ought to make adequate preparation so that we are not caught surprised by His sudden appearing. So there is the expectation of judgment. But then there is also an evaluation at the judgment. And this is where, at least from my vantage point, this is where we need to stop and really reflect upon our condition. You see, Paul said, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. We will all give an account of ourselves to the Lord. So think about some things that relate to the judgment. Did you know that every single word that you utter, your speech, will follow you into the judgment? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And he said, the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. And then he would go on to say, by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. Every idle word that men speak, they will give an account thereof in the day of judgment. So what about your speech? Is your speech what the Lord would want it to be? Do you use profanity? You know, Paul said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Do you have a filthy mouth? Do you like to tell dirty jokes? Do you like to say things to to get a, a rise out of people? Did you know that one day you're going to stand before God and as Jesus said, every single word that you speak, you will give an account of it in the day of judgment. And then what about your secrets? Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14, that God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing. There are things known only to you. Your thoughts, the musings of your heart. So when it comes to things that you have said and done, Things that you have said and done behind closed doors. In your mind, you might think nobody knows about it. They're not any wiser to the situation, so what does it matter? Well, Solomon said, let me tell you what. There's coming a day in which there won't be any skeletons in your closet. You could think about this white sheet behind us. And that sheet flashing up in neon words every single thing you've ever said or done. 
the secrets of your heart. How many times have you heard of someone who has been exonerated for a crime they committed? And sometimes we say they got off scot-free. Let me tell you what, there's coming a day when those scales of justice, they will be rectified. They'll be balanced. You might get away with a lot of things on planet Earth, but you will not get away with one single solitary thing on the day of judgment. When you stand before Almighty God on the day of judgment, you're going to be judged on the basis of your speech. And as Solomon said, every secret thing. And then what about your sentiments? How do you feel about the Lord? What does he mean to you? Jesus said that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. He said this is the first and great commandment. A second likened to it is this. He said you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So first and foremost, the Lord is saying we need to love him with every single ounce of energy we possess. Our love for him is to permeate our heart, soul, mind. We're to love him above all. Is that how you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord to the extent that he is first, absolutely first in your life? Could you say with Jesus, remember he said in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Could you say that you love him with all, all of your heart, soul, and mind, and he is without a shadow of a doubt first in your life? Could you like Paul say in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, that Christ is your life? In other words, he means everything to him. We sing the song, he is my everything, is he? Is he your everything? Did you know that Jesus, when he peered into the church at Ephesus, those folks were sound doctrinally. They knew what the scriptures taught. Matter of fact, they detested false doctrine. They had no place for it. But Jesus said, look, you've got a flaw. That flaw is you have left your first love. When you stand before God, would it be possible that he would say to you, you know what, you were baptized in the name of my son and that you had your sins washed away and at one time you loved, you loved me with all of your heart, soul, and mind, but that wasn't the case, isn't the case as you stand before me now. Do you really love him? Is it manifested in your life? Is it manifested in what you say, in what you do, in where you go, in how you dress? Is it? So you think about the love that you have for the Lord. And then what about what about your spiritual barometer. I mean, since we're talking about our sentiments, what would the Lord say about you? 
Let's just say that you're standing before him right now. And he's sizing your life up. He's looking at your speech. He's analyzing the secrets of your heart. He's weighing the sentiments of your heart. And he says, you know what? You left your first love a long time ago. Is that what he would say? Would he say possibly that, you know what? From a spiritual perspective, you are a walking corpse. You're dead. Been dead a long time. You remember in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1? Jesus said about the church at Sardis that they had a name, that they were alive and well. I mean, if you had... If you had gone around in the community and asked the people about the church at Sardis, what do you think about those folks? You know what they would have said? That is a vibrant congregation. It is a living organism. But Jesus said, let me tell you what, my assessment is not your assessment. It's not the assessment of the neighborhood. Here's my verdict. He said, you are dead. Is that you? Are you dead spiritually? No life in you? Are you dead? Is it possible that you've gone to sleep? You know, sometimes as Christians, status quo becomes the norm, doesn't it? I mean, we're just kind of happy where we are. Sometimes we need somebody to shake us up. Why? Because one day you're going to stand before God. I'm going to stand before God. And I want to be perfectly honest. I don't want you to leave here with any misunderstanding. Status quo, individually, congregationally, listen to me, please, very carefully. It will not pass the test. Not at all. Status quo, if you're happy where you are in terms of your knowledge, in terms of your service, in terms of your adoration for Almighty God, you need to step back and reassess things while you've got time. Paul said, examine yourselves whether you're in the faith. So when you start doing that spiritual inventory and begin gauging your life, are you on fire? Or are you dead as a doornail? Been dead a long time. Paul said, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead. What about your life as a light for Christ? Are you a light? Wherever you go, do people see Christ living in you? Did you know Paul said, you were once darkness. But he said, now you're light in the Lord. And here's what he said, walk as children of light. Are you a light bearer for good? Did Jesus not say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven? Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Is that you? What about your service? Did you know that the Lord's going to judge you not just on the basis of whether or not you attend worship services? Is that important? Yes. In Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus evaluates those people who are before him, what did he say to those on his right hand? He said, look, I was hungry. What would you do? You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. He said, I was naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was sick and in prison, and you visited me. They said, Lord, when did we do all these things? 
Inasmuch as you did it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, he said, you've done it unto me. But then there are some who will stand before him one day, members of the body of Christ, and yes, maybe they were present at worship. Yes, maybe they came to Bible study. But he said, I was hungry and you didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger, you didn't take me in. I was naked, you didn't give me anything to wear. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Is that what he'll say to you? Are you a steadfast saint? Are you a sleeping saint? Are you a dedicated disciple? Are you a dead disciple? It's either one or the other. There's no gray area here. Either are or you aren't. You're either in or you're out. Where are you? Where are you? We talk about that great and final day. What was it Paul said to those on Mars Hill? The times of ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Why, Paul? Why? Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. That includes you and includes me. You're going to be there. You can bow up and stiffen up and say, you know what, I don't care. I don't like what he's got to say. Let me tell you what, you might not like it. But that doesn't change the truth of Almighty God doesn't change the truth one bit. You can run from it. You can hide from it. You can act like it doesn't matter. You can purge it from your mind. But one day, you'll stand before God and you will give an account of the deeds done in your body, whether good or bad, whether you like it or not. You got it? You got it? We square? We know where we are? Look, I don't want you to stand before God one day and say, you know what, I was a member at Olive Branch Church of Christ. I visited Olive Branch Church of Christ. And that fellow that preached there, he never said one time about preparing to meet you. I don't want that blood on my hands. And I want you to stand before God one day and I want you to say, look, I heard the truth. I knew what the Bible had to say. Paul said, I'm free from the blood of all men. I don't want to be arrogant, caustic, or anything like that. But you need to know the truth. And the truth of the matter is, there is a day appointed in which you're going to stand before the judge of all the earth and give an account of your life. Are you ready? Have you prepared your life to meet your God? Because you're going to meet him. You better, you better understand it. You're going to stand before God. You're going to bow in his presence. You're going to acknowledge that he is a divine son of God. We're all headed there. Thirdly and quickly, our time's gone. The sentencing at the throne. Jesus summed it up in Matthew chapter 25. To those who are saints, here's what he will say. Come, you blessed of my Father. Enter the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You see, if you're a child of God, if you are a faithful child of God, your eternal home will be in heaven. And John talks about it. Revelation chapter 21, he said, I saw a new heaven, a new earth, first heaven, the first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. And he said, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He'll dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. 
forevermore. And listen to, listen to me, please. In that place, God's going to wipe away every tear. Not going to be any more death or sorrow or crying. No more pain. He said, these former things have passed away. Is that where you're headed? Will that be your home? Flip side of that is the sinful. They will hear the words, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I want you to think about the contrast there. On the one hand, Jesus will say to the righteous, come. To the unrighteous, depart. Those who don't go to heaven, Jesus said, he'll say, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I want to close by saying this. You might think you'll go to hell and you'll take it. And you'll just learn to live with it. No, you won't either. You might think that you're bad to the bone, and maybe you are in this life. But you won't take it in hell. And let me tell you what, you will forevermore Spend an eternity in a place separated from God and His people. So I ask you this morning, are you prepared to meet your God? Either you are or you're not. Have you obeyed the gospel? Look, if you have not obeyed the gospel of Christ, I don't know any other way to say it other than this, you are lost. You're without hope. You're without God in this world. And you need to obey the gospel of Christ. What would that entail? Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, verse 24. Repent of every sin, Luke 13, 3. Confess His name before others, Acts 10, 37. And then be immersed in water, listen, for the forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2, 38. You need to be baptized so that you will be among the saved, Mark 16, 16 then you need to be faithful until death so that you can receive that crown of life. Now, you might be here today and you realize as a Christian that if you were to stand before God this hour, you don't have any hope. You're lost. You're as lost as lost can be. But you know, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you this morning so that you will be prepared to meet your God as we stand and sing.